everybody. Welcome, welcome. Did I get everyone's name right? I did, and everyone's in the right spot. Perfect. How are you guys doing? Uh, this is... What keycap episode is this, Chase? I don't even know. Uh, this should be 26, 26 or 27. Jeez. 26 sounds right. It's been a while. Wait, is the volume's not good, guys? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, is it because I had everything muted? Is that what it was? Um... <laughs> Chase, did you want did you want to roll us in? Yes. Okay, guys. So this week, as I, I were we were we muted just a second ago when you were trying to introduce us a little bit? No. Okay. So this is okay. <laughs> well, this week we have uh, George with us from Key Cult, and uh, I guess I'll let George kind of explain to you guys who he is with Key Cult, and because I don't think I need to explain what Key Cult is or who Key Cult is, but uh, I'll let George kind of tell you guys who he is. Um. So for those of you who don't know, just in case he's, um, Keycolt is a manufacturer and seller of keyboards, of mostly aluminum keyboards. And I am half of that company. The other half is a well-known community member called Ride on the Bay. Um, and yeah, that's a good intro. <laughs> I think so. I think that was yes. good. By the way, chat, if, if, if you guys point out today that George, his audio is not synced, all right? Because you guys, someone's going to say it today. I know it. We know. We tried to fix it beforehand. We can't fix it. I don't know why it is. <laughs> All right. Um, so George is also, Keycult actually, is also really not not only into keyboards, but they're into something else, being coffee. That's, yeah. an, that's another big part of the company. At least I, I find it is lately anyways. Uh, yeah. George, yeah, thanks guys. I already Go know ahead. his audio is unsynced. Thank you guys. Um, but yeah, that's another big part of Key Cult. Um, we, we just also saw, and I actually was lucky enough to win one as well, the Key Cult number 265 raffles that happened a little while ago, um, which was interesting because they were in stock, which was an interesting move on your guys' part. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's more, um, all the stuff that we're making ourselves and the machine is running right now, um, a couple hundred feet that way, we are going to be selling in stock. It's a little bit, um, it, it was born out of a necessity to show people that we could manufacture high quality and to our standards ourselves. Um, and then as we've done it, it has sort of become a nice quality of life thing where um, in stock sales are just less stressful because um, we don't have to worry about stock things can be b stock things can be a stock and we don't have to make quotas which is kind of nice hmm. yeah which is which is awesome and, and on top of that too to get a product that you pay for quicker i think on the customer's end of things just feels nicer you know mm -hmm. yeah i'm sure it's nice not to have to wait six to seven months for your stuff which is the norm oh uh, yes yes i know uh, even more. space cables has been working on some in-stock stuff too which is awesome um, so I, I'd like to see that become the norm more so in the community going forward. Um, but I will say that, like, while I understand your sentiment, I do think that that's like a maybe a slight unreasonable standard because it's yeah, like the sure. capital requirements to yeah, like yeah, yeah. stock is is big. And even like what we consider to be big keyboard vendors um, are still small companies, yeah. and like it's hard for them to, you know put down hundreds of thousands of dollars and be like, well, I can just sit on this money for six months. It's, we we it's even hard. talked about that a little bit today during my morning stream too, because we've been getting a lot of interesting comments about why aren't vendors even carrying simple things like desk mats in stock, you know, more than just even a few hundred. And 
Uh, we talked about it this morning saying that, well, guys, this is not just about buying it. It's also where are you putting all of that? And then how are you making sure of inventory? How are you shipping them out? Like, how are you managing your SKUs? So there is yeah. like a large overhead that's not just product in warehouse type thing and ship out. So there is there is more to it. And, you know, you and Space Cables definitely probably have more know-how and knowledge about that than me. For sure. I don't do any of that stuff. I ship out a keyboard once in a blue moon to a customer. That's about it. I think Space probably ships out more than we do. But but yeah, <laughs> there, there's a lot. Even even like we have a very limited SKU, um, like catalog. Uh, and and it, it, it takes a lot of coordination and a lot of effort to fulfill. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but some questions for you, George. I know uh, we usually dive into like more personal things. I'm sure you've probably been asked this, but I'd love to know because I don't think I've caught this. How did you get into keyboards? Um, Zach, essentially. Oh. Um, I was not super into keyboards um, before we started KeyCult. Uh, I have always been more of the um, like my 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 top of the line uh, keyboard was like a Leopold before Zach gifted me. Uh, a mechanical keyboard that he like hand soldered. It was, I, I forget what it was. Um, mm. And then pretty much ever since then, we sold that keyboard to start the company. And ever since then, I've pretty much only used key cults. So um, I've learned a lot and it's been really, really great. And I'm definitely like night and day in what I know in terms of keyboard stuff. But when we first started the company, I was definitely more of like the, um, kind of the marketing side of things, the financial side of things, the customer relations side of things, yeah. all that stuff. And and I've now morphed into a sort of operations officer. But like to answer your question, like how did I get into keyboards? Um, Zach gifted me my first sort of high-end mechanical keyboard that he hand soldered for my birthday. Very great birthday gift. And then um, one day we had one day he came up to me and was like, hey, I have this idea for a keyboard company. Do you want to do you want to jump on the boat and i said sure let's do it so that's sort of my my very brief introduction into mechanical keyboards yeah how long ago was that how long has key Colt been pumping out keyboards now two years i think our our first run was about two years ago okay so you know we're an ancient company <laughs> ancient yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally <laughs> and would, would you say that you guys like i mean obviously the stuff that you guys have learned from day one to day two but what would you say is the biggest i guess strive or step that you guys have taken since day one of key cult versus now oh man key cult is such a different company than what we had envisioned it to really be. like yeah like we are we are nothing like the company um we write a lot of stuff down and like we were looking through sort of our our projections and our assumptions when we first started the company and like they were just they were just like really wrong and um they were like we we, we were we were really concerned back then of like if we um like what was like essentially like are we going to get people bored with our product if we sell like more than like 80 of them? Um, back then we were just like, we did like back then we were coming, Zach was coming in from when the hobby was like a really, really small hobby and like group buys were for like 10 to 20 boards and stuff like that. So we were like, can the hobby sustain us selling like 80 keyboards a month, like without us like having a bunch of stock constantly not moving in our shelves and like, 
we've of course like ever since then like our primary mission right now is like okay we need to make more stuff because we want more people to get our stuff um so it's just like really funny like we've iterated so much on 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 just the company so it's it's been it's been a huge learning experience because it's like a i was really unfamiliar with the hobby and b i think that even if i was familiar with the hobby i could have never predicted sort of the growth that it has in in comparison to like if you're a small business working in this niche like this is like explosive growth and yeah. it's been really surprising and i don't think anyone predicted it and i no, see some comments like oh sorry crazy. go on reagan go on sorry no this this year it's it's gone crazy oh, yeah. or actually like 2020 pretty much all of quarantine has boosted the number of people in the community yeah and what's what's funny too is i see some people saying you know never enough geek cults but i mean i you're not wrong like probably two years ago i wasn't in the hobby two years ago uh, i was i had some some mechanical keyboards that were you know off the shelf or you know things like that but you know to think of 80 now considering the growth of the hobby is crazy yeah so, george what were you doing before key cult then if Keycult's been going for two years now. So I had a kind of a weird job. And whenever people ask me about it, I just say that I was in sales. Uh, <laughs> so I was, Here we go. <laughs> I sold, uh, I sold small private aircraft to people who needed small private aircraft. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's kind of, people would be surprised how analogous it is to, um, to the high end mechanical keyboard market. And, um, and I think that like also a lot of things that sort of inform us as a company come from a Zach's experience with his previous employer and my experience with my previous employer, which was that we were both in very high touch jobs where people like appreciated um, things going through a person and seeming like it, they went through a person rather than them being like really sterile and like like quote unquote professional, which I feel like is a lot of people's inclination when they're starting like a product company. They're like, what's the most successful product company that you could think of? Mm. Go ahead. Like throw out a name. What's the most successful product company that Apple. you can think of? Yeah. Apple by far. Yeah. Yeah. So like everyone tries to be Apple, which is like Apple has definitely hit the niche of like beautiful, simple, sterile, like, and, and, and I don't mean sterile in like a negative way. Like, mm -hmm. like when you get your iPhone, like you can, like, it looks and feels like it hasn't been touched by mortal hands ever. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not wrong. That's, that's very much true. Yeah. So our approach has been kind of the opposite of that. Like we want people to understand that we, that their product is touched by people that are making it uh, and whether that's our factory in China or whether it's us, like it always gets filtered through the very human sort of us. Mm -hmm. um, and we want people to know that, which is why like our labels are handwritten and why our QC cards are also handwritten um, and why our boxes are stamped instead of printed uh, because we want people to, when they open up their box, it sort of reflects the product that's inside and what the journey of the product was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That really explains and kind of brings together that collaboration you guys just finished up with Grove made as well. A company that feels so handmade and so uh, to order, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, really explain that that like explanation of what you guys are going for really explains how that kind of fits together. Huh. Yeah. And Grove made is a company that we like actually um, their founder is like friends of ours and we actually spoke with them. 
um, or with him uh, about getting a CNC machine and what the and what the uh, what the challenges of like making your own stuff are and stuff like that because like we didn't go into this sort of new phase in our company very lately and we are very much the type of people that want to speak with as many people as possible to give them an opportunity to talk us out of it um, and he was one of those people who uh, didn't successfully talk us out of it <laughs> well and even the whole I'm a big fan of you know handmade wood and stuff like that like the whole here's how we finish it I like products like uh carved makes a lot of really cool things um you know one of one cases that are made of of burls and resin and stuff like that um so i'm very much into that so that whole collab like really which just made me go wow it's really cool because it's um something that i like and, and that and you are right with the whole apple being sterile versus something like key cult where you can definitely feel like someone's actually took some pride and and made this product for you um, because I feel like a lot of a lot of uh, companies now that are doing more of that kind of a, a approach to things, they do include things like handmade notes uh, to show that a human actually worked on this, not just a machine, uh, which I think goes a long way because you get a sense of, wow, this means a lot more to me now because someone took this much pride into it. An Apple, but like, for example, an Apple product, as much as I love my phone. Uh, I'm not going, eh, if the phone drops, I'm not going to be sad about it. I'll just go buy a new one. If the key call drops, I'll I mean, be sad. For what it's worth, like Apple, a lot goes into your phone and like, totally. and, and as someone who is like currently battling the demons of like anodizing and like, and like things fitting together correctly, like I can appreciate just how much effort goes into a product like Apple's. And like, I, I, I think that that's sort of the, I think that like Apple has done it so well that like it's like quality is sort of an afterthought with them. Like there, you expect such high yeah. standards from them that like you don't there. think about, yeah. Like, hmm. yeah, it's sort of, sort of like that. It's, it's, it's the, I think that like you need to have that level of like notoriety for just like having an outstanding product to just sort of be able to be like, yeah, the fact that our product is outstanding is just like not really part of like, <laughs> It's not what we're going for this year. It's already a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And to be somebody like Apple too, who releases something every year and the, the headlining features of the product don't really matter because people are going to buy it just for the experience of interacting with that product, no matter what. So the, they're, they're definitely on another level than any other yeah. uh, uh, consumer product company right now. And actually, yeah. someone made a good point in chat too. They said they also liked how you can watch a key cult get machined on their Discord, which has been a very fascinating thing. Yeah, I'm glad some people are enjoying that. So for those of you who don't know, um, our CNC machine has a Discord user, and it oftentimes, I actually need to boot it up, I forgot. Um, <laughs> it, it oftentimes streams on our Discord channel, um, sort of live machining, and we leave it on like 24-7. So you guys know when I get here in the morning, and you guys know when my brother-in-law leaves here at night. So. Uh, yeah, you guys can hold them accountable for your key cults. Yeah, you're like, oh, you didn't meet your quota, George. Come on, man. We saw you were 15 minutes late today. What were you doing? You see someone uh, sneaking in and taking a key cult too. Yeah, <laughs> too. Half security camera, and everyone's the security watch watch guards and stuff like that. <laughs> key cult, uh, best brother. Um, yeah, it's uh it's the 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 dis the machine's name is called kc underscore brother okay and that's what yeah obsidian is one of our uh keepers which is uh 
kind of a new thing that we're doing, which is super exciting. So what does the keeper do? So uh, essentially, we realize that as we've grown busier, we haven't had a chance to um, be as active in the community, especially in our Discord community. And we realize that oftentimes our moderators are the face of the company for a lot of people. Um, and we wanted for them to a be compensated uh, for doing this work that they do for us. So they have like a small monthly stipend and they also have like sort of access to us on a regular basis. And we can like give them updates and they can tell us things that we might be missing and things that people want and things that people don't want. Um, so it's a sort of more formalizing the role within the company um, because we want people to know that like, hey, if you get information from this person, this person has been in contact with us and knows what they're talking about. Um, and also, it also like, and also they were just doing like a really killer job of like being friendly, answering questions all the time, which I know can be really taxing. Um, and, and I mean, you guys stream, like you guys know what it's like to like have the same question asked like 400,000 times. And like to, I, I would rather be like, I acknowledge the effort that goes into it than have them be like, screw you go figure it out <laughs> yeah so. i mean I, I mean even myself I, i've taken the same approach with the twitch mods and discord mods like un unfortunately i can't give them any sort of payroll but um every few months i'll, I'll pick up something custom for them give them give me uh give me mods some good stuff um but no there there's so much work that goes into building a community as well which i think that that's what key cult is as well like when you join the key cult discord um you'll notice it's pretty lively it really is um and there is there's a lot of work that get, gets put into building a community and i think that's really cool what you guys are doing because it's more of like official downstreamed information yeah opposed to not uh, yeah. yeah it's sort of like it, it, it and, and one of the things that we noticed was like we were like sort of springing things up on our mods and stuff so it was we like we would make announcements we wouldn't really think about like how like when who we told and when we told because we've always been like a two-person company so we haven't really had to worry about that um but now with like the keeper changes it's like once every couple of weeks like they sit down with us and they can ask us questions and then we give them like updates and a lot of times it's like pretty clerical stuff like hey when are plates going to come back in stock and things like that but sometimes it's like pretty big things that we are like hey we need to restructure this and make our faqs more like easily digestible and make separate FAQs for separate things. Like those are big things that like I a don't have the time to do and B probably wouldn't have thought of. Um, because I, I think that like we can all relate to people being like, Hey, go read the FAQs and the FAQs is like, like, I don't know, Plato's Republic's worth of <laughs> texts yes. and you're like, yeah. and, it, and it's just as digestible and you're just like, okay, I mean, I guess I have no idea how to find this information. So yeah. Um, our mods have been really, really great. Um, I should say our keepers have been really, really great in like letting us know and changing things around and making it easily found. Yeah, and that, that's one thing too. Like uh, I'm sure even Space can attest to this as well. Um, I know me and him probably sat down one day a while ago and we, we read something about how FAQs, like long-winded FAQs can be sometimes absolutely pointless. Because where do you find the information within those long FAQs? So constantly having to revisit them and streamlining those FAQs is really important too. To answer questions that are relevant, not just maybe a question I got asked three months ago and never going to be brought up again. Yeah. So that's uh, that's really cool that you guys are doing that. 
Yeah. Um, another question for you. So, just to not get off the topic of the keyboards, because we definitely don't want that, but um, you, you kind of showed us something before we went live. Oh, yeah. Just a little um, something. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, we have a very um, active coffee community in our in our Discord server, and we noticed it, and we decided that we wanted to do something cool with it. And we've had two rounds of what we call coffee cult, and I was showing them the third round of the upcoming coffee cult. You guys are getting a sneak peek here. Um, this I'm really excited about this collaboration. Let me make you bigger. Uh, one second. Yeah. Hold so, on. oh. I'll just model this for as long as it needs there to There you go. Um, so this is the third iteration of Coffee Cult, and we're going and we're uh, working with a uh, company called Tetrahedron Coffee for and for you coffee culters, you guys know all about them because one of our most active members is sort of one of the founders of Tetrahedron, uh, Flat White, and uh, it's like a very small roaster in California, and we like did seven rounds of um of roasting profiles and stuff and we landed on something that we really really liked uh and yeah it was it was it's really really interesting because i'm learning a lot about coffee which isn't something that like i would otherwise learn a lot about and um and what i like most about like our, our previous coffee call iterations were with a much bigger roaster um who um was like here's what we have and you can get it or you can't or you can get something else and with uh with with uh, tetrahedron it was very much a um, let's find something we like together. Uh, and that was just like, and that's how I love doing things because yeah. it's how I learn. Yeah, I like people taking me on and like holding my hand and like moving myself towards it. So um, huge shout out to uh, Flat White and Tetrahedron, which you'll be hearing more about um, soon. And um, I'm super excited for you guys to get your hands on it it's um and we actually like bought a or he, not i say we in the very general we that he <laughs> yeah, yeah. and bought a bag of coffee um and yeah and he's gonna kind of roast it to order and it's gonna be really fun so interesting i will have to grab some i'm yeah. slowly getting into coffee chase is as well uh we're we're pretty big noobs at it so far i'd say but i'm i'm down to try it out yeah I, i'd say you're getting there, Reagan. You you you've definitely picked up some equipment for it. I think both yeah. sides have, right? Yeah, Yonkar got us grinding our own coffee beans, which was a big step in the right direction. I feel like instead yeah. of yeah, that that was a I've noticed a, a pretty decent change in the the quality, the taste of especially the taste of the coffee I am drinking at this point. Yes, just from grinding my own beans is pretty crazy. That yeah. isn't even fresh, the next thing I get into. Sorry, George. Fresh ground beans make a big difference. Um, to me, the next big thing I want to get into, I, when we were talking to Yonkar, I said the same thing. I'm like, hey, I need to get into this. So whenever yeah. I have some time, whenever things start to die down a little bit here, I'm probably going to pick up some uh, some equipment to start too because everyone's everyone keeps saying the flavor is so different. And I'm like, all right, guys, like I need to try this, I guess. So I'm going to have to pick something up. Yeah, uh, until I like fresh ground some coffee and like really paid attention. I've always used like an espresso machine and with like an electric grinder. And I've got to say, like, I've been guilty of leaving some ground coffee in the grinder and then just scooping it out, like, several days later. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> just, I mean, ever since, you know, you grind it immediately and drink it, I mean, it's it's 
so noticeably different than uh you're also putting so much effort into one cup of coffee at that point <laughs> which is uh just it's a completely different experience i don't know it is good i like it i i gotta say i'm happy with coffee so far and i'm excited yeah. for the the coffee cold coffee yeah i will definitely be trying i will definitely be is that something that's going to be difficult you said it's gonna be made to order so is that gonna be something that's difficult to get your hands raffle? on do i have to get it's not gonna be a raffle um but it i, I do <laughs> think that it depending on how hype people get it might be a little bit um because we only bought one bag of the beans so there's a limited amount of okay of, again because he's a small roaster like it's it's mm -hmm. it's it's capital people are just going to be like oh kiko wants to make everything exclusive and you guys are welcome <laughs> to think that like i am i'm okay to be to die on that cross that's okay um but uh the 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 reason why is because bags of coffee bags of green coffee beans are is expensive and and we don't know how many we're going to sell so like we can't buy like 30 bags to maybe accommodate a bunch of people. So, mm -hmm. so you're telling um, me I'm going to have to go on mech market to get, <laughs> you're going to have to go on mech market. <laughs> so <laughs> someone beat me to the punch here. Someone said key cult, uh, victory auction for the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to trade, uh, your, your, your OTD for it. <laughs> oh. oh God. Yeah. There's going to be bots getting coffee here, then reselling it on mech market. <laughs> 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 I truly hope. Not. Yeah, 2023 Key Cult is full pledged coffee company. Yeah, no longer just keyboards. Yeah, 2023. No There's a lot of like one of the things I was going to tell you, um, Alex, is to is is where you're going be the Kraken. So like, there's a lot of like equipment, uh, FOMO and stuff on and, and coffee stuff. And it's like I started the same way, like a hand grinder and like doing pour over, and then um, and then I then I started thinking like, well, maybe I want to do like espresso, and then like so. You know there, there there's definitely a lot and, and and one of the nice things about sort of getting into stuff like this is like at first you're just like i want a better cup of coffee and then you sort of develop this like ritual that you start really enjoying you start really enjoying like grinding your beans you start really enjoying pulling your shot um and you start really enjoying drinking your coffee and um those are the things that like most captivate me which is what happened with like photography and stuff yeah. with like going out there and like taking pictures of like scenery and things like that that's like really really nice um so even though I, I haven't done as much as I would like to of the photography part with coffee, it's been really nice to sort of develop a habit and develop a ritual behind it. And it's funny to yeah. say that too, because this morning I was looking through all my old photographs when I used to take walks. I almost went on like every other day. I went like on a night walk in Toronto here and I would take photos of the city. A lot of long exposures, a lot of nighttime photography, street photography. And I haven't done it since COVID started. So I was looking through that today and I'm like, man, I miss this. And as much as I love taking photos of keyboards and stuff, it's it's different to go out there and get different styles of shots too. Yeah. But you were uh, sorry, Reagan. Were you saying something? No, um, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. But George, you said you're getting you you, you haven't been into photography as much as you'd like. Um, like I, I mean, I I, I take like product photos and stuff like that of yeah. our keyboards. Um, but like I sort sort of my my first love in photography was like landscape photography. Yes. Um, and I really, um, I haven't, I haven't had, um, and, and, and I, I know my wife is probably listening to this and she's like, I'm happy to go on a hike whenever the app you want <laughs> and we can go take pictures of stuff. Um, but I just haven't been able to like go out and like, 
last time I went, I went to like um, uh, a park that's like DuPont State Park around here, yeah. which is like filled with waterfalls and it was really pretty. And I got to take some like long exposures of the of the Cascades and stuff. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's, I don't know, that's just that that process is just like really interesting to me because of like you're capturing like the light in the perfect moment yeah. and you um, are playing with the recipe, but you're also like taking in this like beautiful scenery, uh, which is you don't really get that with like product photos because in product photos like you have a you have a mental image of what you want yeah. and then you're just like trying to get it um which is like fine but you're also not like working with something that is much bigger than yourself um sorry no um, I, I think with so. product photography as well i did it for fitness equipment and in fitness for about three four years uh professionally and i think after a while you kind of get well you know there's only so many ways that you can do this that first of all portrays the product nicely in a very sterile manner as well because a lot of the times you want something that just focuses on the product um usually with companies they don't always want creative things i know when you're running your own company it's obviously different but uh, when you're doing it for other people um but it's cool it's just like keyboards too because i know some people enjoy the building process of keyboards which is more my thing i love the building process and i love the way that it looks at the end i know some people build strictly for you know the type feel the sound uh with photography even for myself i as much as I love going out and taking the photos, I love that. The editing process is the most fun to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not. You edit too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had the chops that Alex has on editing. Um, I'm not a very strong editor, especially in Photoshop. So I try to get as much in camera as possible. And yeah. that sort of is comes from like landscape where like you tend to just want to capture as you see things. Um, uh, so it, and there's not that much editing going on, uh, or at least some landscape photographers. Other landscape photographers are, are like, let's add the Milky Way onto here, and it'll be like awesome. And like, I do admit that those shots are like really interesting to look at. Um, but uh, for me in particular, it was like I want to capture in my camera what it felt like to be there. Um, so, so yeah, and 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 I've seen you. I I, I saw like one of your Photoshop way back I was when. Super, yeah, yeah, way back when. And I was like super jealous. I was like, this guy just knows and he's, I, he thinks I, he's better than me. <laughs> thinks he's better than me, that jerk. I've been, I've been using Photoshop since I was like 16 though, like 17. So it's been, I'm 29 now. So it's been, it's been a while. Like I, I used it when we were in high school. Um, I, use, I, I did um, photography and developed my own film, uh, which in, I don't know if anyone in chat or if you guys have developed your own film, it's very much like a very rudimentary photo, like Photoshop. You can play around with the chemicals to add contrast to certain areas or play around with chemicals to do certain things. You can sepia tone with chemicals too. So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, but um, you can't control Z. You can't control Z. No, you can't do that. But you can technically just redo. You can just redo, redo, redo. That's it. So you redo, can do redo. one of those. It just takes a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. So actually, we have a question for you from Steez. By the way, if you guys have questions, feel free and ask them. I know there was also a, a comment saying, uh, when are you guys building airplanes? Um, because you had mentioned you were selling aircrafts. Uh, George, I know it's arbitrary when talking about niche roasters or one-off blends, but if you could have one for the rest of your life, Starbucks or Dunkin? Um, I don't know. I haven't had a lot of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, so I've had a lot more Starbucks coffee than I have Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Um, so I'd probably say Starbucks, but I know that some people swear by Dunkin', so... Um, while I, I will say this, like while I appreciate like really good coffee, I also just like like coffee. So I'll I'll drink like I'll drink the 
the medium roast drip from Starbucks um, and not like be like, oh, this is terrible and throw it out. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, I have never tried Dunkin' Donuts. I don't think there's much. Uh, I think there's many Dunkin' Donuts here in Canada. I think it may be one downtown Toronto that I've seen, but I can't say. So America haven't. runs on Dunkin', man. That's true. That is the slogan, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Canada runs on Duncan. Okay, so I see. I I know everyone. Everyone. I don't. I don't know. I say, are you in? Are you in Canada? Everyone outside of Canada thinks that Tim Hortons is like the best coffee in Canada. Um, it actually isn't. I think if you ask any Canadian what they prefer, it's not going to be Tim Hortons. <laughs> no one. No one in Canada actually enjoys drinking Tim Hortons. Tell you right now. And if you do, then do your thing. But. <laughs> I don't know. I, I literally cannot stand it. Worked there for four years. Oh no, Timmy's is gross. Yeah, I don't like Tim Hortons. Timmy's is doo doo. Yeah. Same. Oh damn, they're uh, Tim Hortons getting roasted now. This stream is not brought to you by Tim Hortons. Yeah, no, definitely not. And if it was, then it is no longer. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is a convenient bucket of caffeine. It is. Um, so while we get some more questions happening in chat here. Um, Someone actually asked, George, are you currently using a key cult? I think I know uh, which one yeah. you're using, yeah. Yeah, I'm using uh, the 165, my personal, I finally reclaimed my personal 165 build. Oh, did you? Uh, yes, Zach was using this for a long time, but Zach is gone, so when Zach is away, George <laughs> will type on his personal keyboard. <laughs> um... um yeah, I, I pretty much exclusively type on on key cults because I'm usually testing things out or um, yeah, and I also don't as a general rule of thumb, whenever I'm building a keyboard, I usually stream because I think that people want to see that. Yeah. And then I I also don't um, stream and, and I don't like streaming and building or I won't stream and build other people's keyboards because I feel like that's a huge conflict of interest. Um, so yeah so basically all the keyboard we, we have like a bunch of keyboards that uh, are from other people that are just unbuilt that i'm i want to build but um you know i'm like testing things out i'm testing plates so i'm testing out like how things feel on different keyboards and things like that sure okay. and someone asked which switches and whatnot are on your 165 right now uh people old time um viewers will know what switches is it cream Key Colt is sponsored by Novel Keys um, because all, I, I really like creams and it's also really nice to have there, 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 there's like a shill reason and there's a practical reason to why I like creams so much. Um, a, I really like the sound and feel of them um, and it's something that I'm used to and B, it's also nice to have a baseline for when you try new things. So if everything you build is from creams and you have a more apples to apples comparison between things that you're testing out true yeah creams are a nice yeah. switch i um, i always get that whole feeling of i need to break this switch in i like the sound profile of creams i always have but definitely one of those things where i feel like one of the only switches where i feel like you need to use it for a month then mod it and then put it and solder it in uh we have i'm another... really curious go on sorry if that's like psychosomatic i have a feeling that that's in people's <laughs> heads um, the thing, the thing is though, with blueberries, I felt the same way, and I don't know if it's something to do with the housing, the palm housing, but you can definitely hear the scratchiness. And when I first used creams, I didn't know much about them, nor did I know what I was expecting, and I definitely felt it a little bit. On my next batch, I did, I did what everyone told me to do, and I'll be honest, it didn't really make much of a difference for the month that I used it. Um, so I kind of just live with the scratchiness now. 
the tiny hint of scratchiness, but you, you might be right. It might just be one of those things where it's... You might think it sounds better after a month or two months of breaking it in. You know, you don't know. I don't know. I mean, I do know that the creams do feel better when they have been broken in um, because uh, we have a, a friend that does like mechanical actuation on switches and he does like 50,000 actuations on it. Um, he So he essentially does like presses on it. Um, and, I, and those creams do feel different. Um, but I do... I oftentimes will build my keyboards with like stock creams that have just been lubed and I personally think that they feel fine. Yeah. Uh, but it's like a preference thing. I think that and also like I think that some people are have a more refined like finger palette um so they can like feel things. <laughs> yeah, no totally. Feels different. And that's yeah. perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh that's the big thing too is just like with 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 a lot of stuff in this hobby it's all personal preference. Um, yeah, yeah. have you ever wanted to make a super experimental keyboard just to mess with people on stream? A super experimental keyboard. Um, we've had some ideas for April Fool's, um, stuff, which was kind of cool. And we might do something more interesting this year. Um, but honestly, like a lot of our experimental stuff is, is, is kind of like trying to just make simple things that are, are that are good um, and trying to improve upon the things that we already make. So it wouldn't really be like if, if I were to sort of share with you guys the things that we're like working behind the scenes, it would be like, oh, my God, they're using unicorn hair to tie the keyboard together. Like it wouldn't be like mind blowing. It's just like we want to make things sound different or we want to make this easier to build and um, which is kind of what preoccupies us in, in terms of like the R and D stuff. It kind of yeah. is mostly like, how can we make this better and easier to build? So you're telling me there's no unicorn hair at all in the next key cult? No, that's unfortunate. Got we another have... question, uh, from our boy Devin from artisan labs. He said, uh, what is key cults thoughts on the resell on their boards? Interesting question. What are our thoughts? Um, I don't know what our thoughts are. Like part of me is part of me is like a tiny bit grumpus about it, which is like, oh, these people don't want their keyboards. But like another part of me is like, this is their property and they can do with it as they please. And yeah. I think that they're I do sympathize and feel for the people who have been trying to get our stuff for a really long time and haven't when other people get our stuff and then immediately resell it. I can see how that sucks. Um but I, I think that like, I think that if people, if I were to ask people, like, do you want me to spend a good portion of my time, like fussing over this and trying to find, or do you want me to find, or do you want me to spend the good portion, the majority of my time making more keyboards so that you have a better mm -hmm. chance of winning? I think that most people would come to the conclusion that like, Hey, don't worry too much about this. Just make us more keyboards, yeah. uh, which is kind of our solution to it. Um, but I think that like, if I were to say like, like I, I don't know, I would, I would, I would, I would caution people against going into severe debt into buying any keyboard, including like a key cult. So if like if you are in a position where spending two thousand plus dollars is an arbitrary amount for you, then more power to you. Um, however, I the thing that really kind of would really break my heart a little bit is if someone goes into like credit card debt or something like that to like get one of our keyboards in the aftermarket or get one of yeah. our keyboards from yeah. like do not do that 
Like, do not. That's that's one thing that. that we. I know even like you know APRA space chase. I think we all mention this like a million times during our streams nowadays too. And I think a lot of people in the hobby do as well. It's and this is for everyone in chat as well. If you cannot buy it three times over, then just don't buy it. It's not it's not worth not eating for X amount of time just because you want something that won't provide you really any sort of you know living sustainability. It's not worth it. Definitely not worth yeah. it. And 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 also like the other side of it is where I is where that I also get a little frustrated by is when people like whenever the word like worth comes up it kind of like and people like judge the worth of something um kind of it kind of bothers me and not just with our stuff with stuff in general because it's like worth is dependent on the person and like for me something that wouldn't be worth it for someone who makes like four times what i make is incredibly worth it so i think that it, it's really presumptuous of people to like judge and berate other people for wanting to purchase something and they value their time or they value their sanity because they don't want to like enter a bunch of raffles and get lost emails and that really sucks for them and they just want to have the thing now yeah um so i don't know i i think that people i think the prescribed cure for this is everyone needs to chill maybe <laughs> yeah i agree i think it's just it's a lot of that everyone needs to i think the thing is like even with a lot of other hobbies and i know people keep bringing up the we don't want keyboards to turn into x hobby with you know x flippers and stuff flippers are always going to be a thing the, yeah that you the, control there's a whole yeah. market for it it's a way to make money for certain people and like you i don't know it's just it's always going to be a thing but the people who pay two thousand dollars plus for any sort of keyboard i mean that's that's what it's worth to them so yeah i mean they've, they've valued it as such they're you know they're getting happiness from it yeah. And like, yeah. for example, I wasn't in the hobby, you know, more than a year and a half ago. How do how do I get some of that stuff that I missed out on? I have to go and spend X amount of dollars and pick up something that I want to add to my personal collection. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. The Ooh. aftermarket's weird. And it's also like a source of salt. And I and I and I feel and and I try really hard to not get. I, I think that like as a maker of stuff, I think that you have to have really thick skin. And I think that a way to erode that thick skin is to sort of like bathe yourself in the salt very often. And I that that's why I like very much try to avoid like things that are just like people griping and stuff. I'm just like, you know, I'm just gonna focus on running this machine and that's that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we have a lot of other questions too. We have uh, also what has been, I guess, the most expensive commission. I think uh, also to add on to that, maybe what's the, been the most fun commission if you can talk about them? Again, only if you can. Yeah, I'm not gonna like. I, there's been a lot of. Um, I'm not gonna talk about what the most expensive commission is because I feel like that's that's yeah. shitty to yeah. work commission. Um, but I think that a lot of our commissions are really fun and they sort of force us to do cool things with our designs. Um, and also like, I think people are really good at colorways and they also come up with like really interesting colorways that like, um, once we see them in person, we're like, man, this is, this is really cool. Yeah. Um, or this color turned out really well. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's, I think, 
and also every time that we get to work with like caustic and get like custom work done for our clients it's like a pleasure because it's like this guy that does really cool yeah that guy does things that like i can't even fathom how to do um which is i think that that's like the coolest part of working with him it's like this is literally a mystery to me like you might have a superpower i don't know because <laughs> i can't comprehend how this works and in real life piece. i mean that that's so many chemicals that go into that and it's a scary process it's yeah it's a uh, really i mean i would say it's truly like art it's like being an artist with, yeah. with a canvas, you know especially the stuff that he puts out is is insane and he's kind of local to me and i know we've we've chatted back and forth on just possibility of certain things and i've seen the work he's done for you guys is also really really cool um i'm curious to know what is the process to get uh, a commission from you like how does one do it and what's the extent of what users can customize and pick out um so commissions from us usually work um you fill out a form and then we get back to you um and then one and then essentially people most often customize the color of things you can customize like engravings external or internal engravings um you can customize colors you can customize you can customize uh materials uh, within reason so um our commissions moving forward are going to be because um and some of our existing commission clients know this frustration just like because timelines from china are so long um some commissions we haven't like that we took a while ago we haven't even been able to fulfill because there's like remake times and things like that so um be to avoid that we're making commissions ourselves from now on so um so yeah essentially like if we can machine it then you can commission it and then uh basically things get attached to price based on how hard and how long it's going to take us outside of our normal production schedule mm -hmm. uh, and and customizations can vary between like, oh, I want this engraving added. And it can vary between like, I want to change the typing angle of this case to X degrees and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And depending on the complexity, like things get more expensive because um, for certain things, we need to develop like new fixturing, which takes time. And then also takes a lot. And even more than that, it takes like a lot of time out of Zach's time to make these changes to the model and things like that so yeah it can get pretty model and software is gonna be a feat yeah because things break and then things don't really like and then designs don't really work and so we have to like fix things and then thing and then what we have is, by fixturing i mean essentially how the machine holds on to the part for it to right. machine off stuff so basically how we hold on to a certain part if you make it thinner we might not be able to hold on to it so we might need to be able to, we might need to have a different way yeah has there i was gonna say has there been a commission that uh went out the door and you kind of uh wish it would uh sorry wish it wouldn't have gone out the door because uh you fell in love with the way it looked or anything like that like is there was there one in particular that you were like oh man i really would like to have that for myself yeah um there are a few but um yeah, there's a few that I, I I kind of wanted to keep for myself, and there's a, a few that like we <laughs> we um there's a few that we've like drawn inspiration from. Like there's mm -hmm. I think that people uh, I think that like like the black on black sort of victory auction stuff that never really happened, but that um will happen at some point uh, was was sort of inspired by a commission that we like sort of did some experiments with and it looked really cool on the black on black uh, 
so yeah i think that there's there, there's a lot of commission stuff that i i'm like damn this like and especially like the again not to harp too much on this like the custom anodized stuff there's some like really cool um unique beautiful art that goes into it um that i wanted to keep but can't <laughs> do you yeah. uh do you exclusively offer like anno finishes and then um obviously outside of caustic he's more so like what the unique anno stuff that's like a little bit more complex versus like a singular flat color across the keyboard yeah so like our our commission pricing that you see on our website includes single color anodizing on parts um so we also work with like as much as i'm going to praise caustic i also want to praise our single color anodizer um they're called ct anodizing or connecticut anodizing for those of you who are curious um they are i think that it's a different type of art to really be a consistent anodizer um to and i think that they work like i have i'm literally on the phone with them three to four times a week um and on production cycles i'm on the phone with them every single day uh and they're like okay we need to tweak this we need to change the chemistry on this bath and do this so you can get this color um or like this is being a little bit inconsistent uh like let's do this tweak and that tweak and like we've been in contact with like we've spoken with chemists we've spoken with material suppliers like these guys have gone above and beyond like any expectation that i've ever had for a supplier to like make us happy and it's been like a wild process because it's like i've learned so much about like metallurgy i've learned so much about like the chemical process of anodizing and how many times you can strip and re-anodize and i've learned like okay what causes material to look this way versus that way um it just it's honestly um an art and super interesting and this guy has really if any of you are looking for anodization projects for anything even if it's not keyboards if you're a manufacturer of anything like really really hit these people up because they will work their butts off for you which is really Man. cool it's really cool to see that uh, developing those relations those professional relationships and then being proud of that person too yeah. yeah, I mean, we we also really like like well, I really like to sort of give credit where credit is due. I think that like there is, it would be, it would be fine for us to like find this really great anodizer and kind of keep them to ourselves and like be like, oh, it's a trade secret who we use. To anodize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like there's always that factor. But like I I I agree with 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 Alex where where it's like, I'm really proud of the stuff that they did and like. I want to share it with people and I want to share like who did this so that like, and if someone starts manufacturing stuff in the United States and wants to get a really high quality anodizer, like go to these guys and then like quality of anodized boards in the United States will go up. So it'll yeah. be great. Everybody wins. And I kind of find with my mentality and things too, especially sharing things that you do or what works for you. Cause you know, that whole, you know, what works for a product works for like a streamer, what works for space cables for his coils and whatever secrets he may have. Right. Um, I find that if you if you take that leap and you do share with someone and hey everyone's starting to use that anodizer now or everyone's starting to do that thing on stream now, it kind of pushes you to do something different. So it, it really does give you sometimes that kick in the ass you need to be like, okay, everyone's doing this same thing now. What can I do different? How can I break the barrier again into something mm -hmm. new? That's always been my mentality with things, which I really uh, think is fun. Uh, but we have so many questions, so let me ask another one. Uh, we have a question too, which I thought was very interesting. Um, so someone before, I think it was Chocolatine, asked if you guys would do other things other than, I guess, what you've been doing, being the 65s and decals and stuff like that. 
We do have some plans for that. Ah. Um, for like 75s and 1800s compact and stuff like that. But um, all that stuff is sort of dependent on time because it's like all yeah. this prototyping and stuff. And, and Salvin can speak to this as well. It's like this takes a lot of time. And like right now we're sort of in we're working at like strained capacity because Zach is a new dad. And uh, yes. so like he has very limited time. So I think that right now, most of our efforts are going towards like really nailing down our existing designs and our existing supply chain um, so that things are a little bit more manageable in the long term. Well, yeah, like halfway that. through this year, maybe. What's that? Sorry, I apologize. No, we get, we're getting a lot of like even Alice's. You call Alice's. That's probably not honestly like I think that people should should you know stop holding their breath and you know let the <laughs> air into their lungs about the Alice layout. I don't think that that's like um sorry guys. Yeah, it's just like we tend to design things that we use ourselves and like I think that things that get us and 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 we are a small company so things that get us really really excited are the things that tend to happen. Um and 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 I'm going to give you guys an inside scoop. Alice layout does not get us really excited at least not <laughs> in 2020 early 2021 maybe next year maybe later this year but right now it's not really on our radar well, and you make a good point too like if you're not using it and you guys are designing keyboards then how do, how yeah. do you make it better if you're not using it every single day and not involved in that you know particular well what makes this a little bit better what makes this uh noteworthy type thing also, guys, I'm just going to apologize. I think the internet's going up and down. So if it goes like lower quality for video, audio is still fine. We're still, we're still okay. Sorry, guys. Um, some other questions we're getting too is with the demand of key cult, how do you prevent burnout while trying to keep up demand? It's a great question. Um, AK, uh, the answer is I don't think about burnout and I burn the candle at both ends and worry about it when I get burned out. Um, Ain't that the truth? I, I, everyone in my life tells me that I work too much and I recognize the fact that I work too much, but, um, at the moment I, it's sort of like, it's really important for us to like make more stuff, both from like a personal standpoint and for like the business standpoint. So, um, it's sort of a, I know that this is a problem, but I'll worry about it later type. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem for future George. That guy has all of the answers. <laughs> That's my mom. Future George just sweating. He's like, oh God. No, no, no. He doesn't. Future George doesn't sweat. Future George has simple solutions to all of the complex problems in today's George life. Wow. I need I need to start thinking like future George. Yeah. Future Alex. Future Me Alex. Too. Future Alex is stressing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever done any uh, chrome or any other metal type plated cases? No, but it's really cool. Um I think I think chrome plating or plating in general is a cool process that I would like to explore more. But um, like any process, it takes a long time to do well, um, and our customers demand things be done well. Uh, so maybe down the line, um, I'll look into. Like right now, we're just starting to get really comfortable with the anodizing process, and um, and. Once we become like really solid with the anodizing stuff, then we'll probably start moving into more interesting things like chrome plating or any, cadmium any, plating. Any Damascus like avail? No? Yeah. No, I mean, 
maybe Damascus avail on certain things, depending on like how we evolve as a company. But the, the problem with Damascus steel is that like most Damascus steel is thin and it's also small. Yeah. So like having a billet, so like our, our smallest piece for the number 265 is like a 12 inch and like a one inch piece. Mm -hmm. So that amount of Damascus, I don't think that you can buy that right now so we would have to have an extrusion made or like a mold made and then it would be not only would that be super expensive because having dyes made are several thousand dollars and it would also be incredibly expensive to get it like just the material itself is expensive and there's usually minimum order quantities so now you're having to buy like two thousand pounds of this material that is already really expensive and plus you have to mm. get dyes made so all of a sudden Damascus steel becomes like a, to try it becomes a $20,000 plus <laughs> <laughs> adventure. And someone will uh, do it eventually. Someone will. Someone, someone will fund yeah. it. Someone will fund we'll, it. We'll follow in their footsteps. But at the moment, uh, we don't have the capacity to, to do that. I can't wait have for you, that to happen. Have you ever considered any other finishes like Cerakote or, or anything or powder coat even has been done? Um, yeah, so we do have a Cerakote provider. Uh, the thing with Cerakote is that it's slow. Um, so Cerakote is like an applied finish that can't really be batched because every single board needs to be coated. Um, like in Anodize, you hook everything up to a rack or you hook like 10 boards up to a rack and they get batched, uh, which makes it a lot quicker. Um, with Cerakote, it, like something that takes an Anodizer three weeks takes a Cerakoter like two months to do um, if, they're, if they're of normal size. Um, so for production runs, it sort of becomes a problem, but we will start, we have worked with a Cerakoter that does incredible work. Um, and we will be working with them more this year. Um, but I, d I just don't know how to handle f things in that quantity, uh, because it's like, we would be, it would be like, okay, we get like 30 to 40 Cerakoted boards a month, um, because that's their capacity. Yeah. So like, how do we sell those? Like. And then you also have to mitigate like people's disappointment and like, okay, like, are we going to run a raffle for 40 keyboards? And then like thousands of people are disappointed. So it's sort of weird. So it's just something that I, I personally need to think about. Like, how do we handle this? How do we manage people's expectations and how do we handle their production capacity? Um, sure. Yeah. I but yeah, it's really cool. I like, I would like to start seeing Cerakote as a finish option in more group buys or just in more keyboards in general because it's it's so nice. So it is so really nice, nice, but it's also really unpredictable. So like the reason why you don't see it that much done or the reason why you see it done once and then never again is because people get bitten by the Cerakote dragon or the Cerakote snake, which is like, like you'll get one, you'll send one sample or two samples or five samples and they all come back great. And then you send them two dozen boards and then like half of them will have like blemishes and stuff like that. Blemishes that don't really matter in firearms is like B stock for keyboards. For keyboards. So that's completely understandable. And I think more so comes down to what the Cerakote shop will pass as like their QC standards. Cause we were talking to Dixie two week or Omnitype two weeks ago about this. And he was saying that like he had submitted a sample of this particular Cerakote color um, for I think the Bauer and he got the sample back. It looked great. And then he asked me like, he was like, yeah, six months later, we got, you know, all of our keyboards in and the finish went from this like satin kind of gloss 
and all of our final boards were flat matte completely just flat yeah and uh, i mean and i was kind of explaining to him like how that worked was that their seracode shop dropped the ball on that but uh it's so it, it can be really good the thing yes it can be really good it's also like really good seracode is really expensive um i think that people aren't prepared in production to spend that much money so like this is getting a little weedsy which is fine because i think that people really like the weeds of the keyboard hobby but like I think that people are expecting to like pay like for their whole entire kit, like especially in productions, like you're looking to pay like less than pick an arbitrary number, let's say like less than $100 per kit, like for finishing, which is a lot of money. Um, and then you go to a Cerakoter and then you're like, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And then they send it back to you and then you're like, well, actually these blemishes are a problem for me. And then they send it and then you send it back to them and then they, it needs to be stripped and then recoded which is a very time consuming process. And then this is something that like my Cerakoter has like explained to me. It's like, I have to like, on average, I strip one out of every 10 guns that I do on your keyboards. I'm stripping like one out of every three keyboards that I'm doing. Hmm. So it's like your fail rate is way higher than what we're used to doing. And like your keyboards are also taking a ton more Cerakote. So I need to charge you like three times what you want to pay for this. Um, so it's just kind of like can get really good quality Cerakote yeah. in production volumes, but you're just going to pay a lot more money for it, um, which is fine ultimately. But that's just an expectation that needs to be set. Have I don't you tried know you... multiple like shops or I mean, because like a one in three fail rate is like horrendous. Also, to yeah. preference this, I don't know if you know this, George, but uh, Reagan or Mr. Space Cables here is a uh, Cerakote. Uh, so he's been to Cerakote training and has started Cerakoting over the nice. last couple of months. This is, so that's I'm why that, he's very interested. He's very Am interested I in Cerakoter, Cerakoter on live on stream. Do you want to Cerakote keyboards? <laughs> <laughs> he's very interested in what Cerakote has to do, like the role Cerakote is going to play in the future of this community. Because I, I can tell Reagan is well, very I, I was interested. To Cerakote about this, yeah. Yeah. I know Reagan's so, very interested in the Cerakote coding itself. Yeah. I mean, so like one of the things, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Reagan. I was, no, I was just going to say that you brought up a really good point in that your Cerakote shop says that they fail one in 10 guns in the one in three keyboards. And it's because when they're used to the guns, maybe they're not, they don't have to be as particular in the corner and they're not focusing on, you know, the overall quality. They're focusing on like the chemical aspects of Cerakote, you know, they're meeting durability and corrosive protection and all that, but not so much majoring on the aesthetic part which mm. keyboards that use Cerakote don't really need like the corrosive that's what you think so. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what's going on on your desk <laughs> uh but but yeah so it, i guess if you just kind jupiter. of what's that he's taking his key cult to jupiter <laughs> he that if uh yeah if, i don't know like i would like to at some point start offering it as like I want to like major in obviously like our own connectors and keyboards and stuff like that that we produce. But like, I would like to like eventually at some point become like the plug and specializing in keyboards and like have our own standards of QC and stuff. So I think, I don't know, I think it'd be cool to start seeing it more and more in the community is having Cerakote finishes. There's so I mean, many colors, you know? Yeah. I would love to, I, honestly, like when we first started, when we first started machining, like finishing was this really big black hole of time and effort that we just couldn't figure out. And one of the things that like we started doing was just like, 
I started being like, okay, Cerakote is the solution because it's like there's Cerakote shops take you more seriously. Like they they answer the phone. Um, and then I, I, I think I've sent our stuff to like over a dozen Cerakote shops. Like I am, I am and, and big and small, um, like huge operations to like people working out of their garage. garage. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and what you're describing would be amazing. And like, I think that Cerakote does have really huge potential in, in, in keyboards, but I think that like it's just a different, like, it's just a different geometry that I think catches a lot of Cerakotas off guard. It's like, because keyboards are large, flat expanses where like guns aren't. So like, if, if there's like, if you don't have good filtration and like a piece of dust or a fly or something lands on your Cerakote before it dries, there'll be like a little speck. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and with paint, um, I know a little bit about this because I used to work in aviation and with paint, you can buff it out, but with Cerakote, you can't do that. So um it becomes there's there's just a lot of like little things that people just aren't used to and you're completely right that they're just used to something different and i think that having a cerakote shop that is like we are aesthetic and we are like super focused on the small little details and like Mm -hmm. we have a more sterile environment so that when we move your gun to the spray booth to the oven there's not like a bunch of little dust dust particles that are going to stick to the wet coat um which is an issue so all this stuff and, and the thing is like all this is also requires like a big investment like am i like and like a seracoder it's going to be like hey sure i'll like invest in like a walk-in oven and then like i'll invest in like these like filtration systems but like i don't know if you're going to send me like three keyboards or if you're going to send me like 600 keyboards like i guess it depends yeah but you're saying like 40 keyboards turnaround time in a month is that's like crazy to me because I know like, first of all, it's coming in, in I'm assuming raw aluminum form. So there's little to no. Well, you need a blast. And this guy also like does a lot of guns and he's like, this is what I can fit in and not like hurt my gun stuff, which is okay. So that's the bread and butter. Yeah. The bread and butter of a lot of Cerakote people, it's like firearms. So Mm -hmm. this guy isn't going to like drop his good business for this like weird keyboard stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, what you are, though, is what Cerakote shops, and this is, I'm speaking from because I used to go to a Cerakote shop and then sort of just cut it out. Um, but, like, what you are to them is an account versus Joe who walks in with a gun and is never going to come back after the gun does. So, like, I know that the Cerakote shops do favor, like, the kind of residual accounts that are revolving and, you know, maintaining those relationships. But, uh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking it. forward to, to doing, I mean, we are going to do more Cerakote stuff. Like I actually, I was actually taking pictures today of a, like a Cerakote board that we have. Um, so we are going to be doing more. And the pictures that we posted of a 265 on Instagram a few months ago was a Cerakoted board. Oh, okay. um, and so we're, we're going to be doing more Cerakote in general. Um, but there's just limited bandwidth um, on my end, essentially. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fit in a few more questions, guys. Um, Teja wants to know when uh, the brick and mortar store is coming. I don't know if that's even possible <laughs> as, right now. As <laughs> soon as Rona goes away, people can start coming to our brick and mortar shop. But I don't think that our business model really makes sense for retail. It would just be an empty store all the time. <laughs> Where you can buy <laughs> go in and manually enter the raffle there. Like yeah. Like a ballot. <laughs> you put a ballot into a box. <laughs> that's the only way to know that there are no bots. Is like people have to <laughs> physically come to our store 
and put a token into a box. No, and then we'll just, they'll start out. hiring people to do that. It'll, they'll be the box. Yeah. Give you I'll five put in bucks. two, man. Yeah. As you turn around, put in two. <laughs> you, just see, you just see someone's mom come in. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. She puts in a little ballot. Doing it for little Johnny. <laughs> yeah. It would, it would be really cool to do... Um, I don't know. I, I have all kinds of like grandiose visions of like, it would be cool. Like if we ever like became a company that could like afford to buy like a space or something to have like a front lobby that just like our customers could like come out and like hang out or like work in and like they could like, you know, hypothetically like bring their laptops and like do work and like rent out a key cult, not rent out, but like we could like loan them one so they could like hang out and like type on it and stuff like that. But like that kind of stuff like really appeals to me because it's like, I'm a person that like really likes it when people can like touch and feel stuff. Um, but there's like a logistical issue, like, like, Hey, we can't afford to buy a place and have like that much space just be not useful. Throwaway space. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Someone just had the best idea. Key cult cafe. Key Cult Cafe, yeah, that's a really good idea. That would be a cool idea. Yeah, um, it, it would be. It'd be cool. Uh, we, I, I also, um, no one can steal this. <laughs> Everyone here, this You're is saying. a verbal trademark. I, uh, I have wanted to start. Well, Zach and I have wanted to start a bar, um, and we're gonna call it the Space Bar, um, and. And that's sort of what we were thinking of like, okay, it'll be like the space bar in the front and then the key cult stuff in the back. Um, but uh, no one can steal space bar. That is our, especially you space cables. I know that you're far away. I can't even do this. Someone took the space 65 and now you're taking space bar. You can't take space bar. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You're, 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 you're think of a new name, space cables. Yeah. This is a non-compete agreement on everyone in this stream and in chat. You can't form spacebar. I'm just dropping to, to cables. Just cables? Let's <laughs> <laughs> see where my SEO goes. You it's know that emoji where it's like that guy just like this? That's gonna be your new your new name, your new company name. Uh key cult speakeasy. Oh god. That'd be very interesting. Get a password to get in. Yeah. To be able to type a certain words per minute. Oh, well, I wouldn't get in then. Oh, I, 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 I wouldn't in. get in. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be able to get in either. Not into my own bar. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, and we had a lot of questions. Like, I'm talking, I think I saw like five people ask this. Um, do you guys plan on doing anything more of like entry level from a key cult perspective for the keyboards? Because we've seen people like Rama do it. We've seen um, a lot of people do it. Novel keys. Uh, the portico we've seen kbd fans uh space is kind of doing it too with the acrylic boards so yeah um it depends on what you mean by entry i think that we're really into metal so i think that for the foreseeable future we're probably not going to venture into things like injection molding and stuff like that so um anything that we do will probably be a machine case and sure. and we definitely do think a lot about like what does a more affordable entry-level key cult goes and i think that like i think that working in this hobby sort of makes you lose all sense of definition when you say like entry level or cheap uh because it's like yeah. well like oh man this board is so cheap it's only 250 dollars well today's and today during the stream we were talking about the the price of the board that i built today and ended up being i think i think around 340 and everyone's like that's a really good price 
And I, yeah. I had to just, like take a step back after him. Like, is that actually like, are we, is that like are the norm there? now? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so given the context of like, you know, machine things are just generally more expensive and especially like created in batches, we are thinking about like, how do we make a keyboard that is more entry that we are really excited about and really happy with. And there, there, we do have a concept that we're like really pumped about, um, but we're, and that we're like starting to think more about, but like, I think, I think that planning is a strong word because it, it implies a much, a very generous level of competency and our ability to put things out in a timely manner. Um, cough number three, cough. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, totally. I mean, I know a lot of people that just want to be able to interact with your products at this point. Like I know a lot of people that bought wrist dress from you just because they're like, this is an opportunity for me to get something key cold. Like, and, uh, I, and I think there's yeah. a lot of people that are like that. Yeah. I, I sincerely appreciate that. And I'm honestly like super flattered for people who like do that i i truly am and it's something that i think about a lot it's like i i really want people to experience in some way which is why we do other things like coffee cult and things like that because it's like i i do think that like the primary way that people interact with our brand is like hey you can't get this thing and i i don't think that that's like a super awesome thing so like we do other things like apparel so people can like interact with our brand that way we do things like coffee cult so people can interact with our brand that way um and the thing with an entry-level board is like and the thing that i'm really afraid of um just like i guess i'm just pouring my soul out to you guys is that like we're gonna do something that's like a less expensive board and then it's because of our constraints it's still gonna be hard to get mm -hmm. and 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 that's sort of like why I, I couch all of my statements and this like have realistic expectations of us because it's like we are never going to be a mass produced thing just yeah. of, because of the way we produce things. Because it's like we have intentionally put ourselves as a bottleneck between us and our customer. And that is by its design, not a scalable solution. So like... I do think that we're that that we're probably going to have a board that is less expensive and maybe has the ability to have like maybe a little less QC stringency so that people so that we can produce more of them. But we still want to make them ourselves and we still want to like interact with the making of it and stuff. And so like that just kind of doesn't lead itself well to me being like next month, you guys, we're going to drop 3000 entry keyboards. Yeah, because yeah. that's just never going to happen, which I think it's interesting that you say that, too, because you know, coming from the headphone world before keyboards, boutique headphones are still very much a big thing. And the headphone hobby is, I'd say, I'd like to say probably larger than, um, not hobby per se, but people wearing headphones and, and buying headphones, like we all have headphones on today. Uh, and I'm sure we've looked into Wonder. audio at least one time in our life. I don't really think a lot of people look into the custom keyboards, but maybe people look into higher end audio. Um, but boutique audio is still a very, very big thing. and. You know, a lot of I know a lot of makers in the audio world who who make even some of them make one off products or some of them uh, maybe only get to release four or five headphones a month. Um, that's all they can do. And, and that's like they're the ones making. It. So it's it's definitely I, I can't really say that it, 
it's it would be easy to make entry level stuff and then you know like you said create this mass quantity of it especially when you are still doing it you know by yourselves and making sure that you guys have hands-on on the products and stuff like that too but it'd be uh definitely interesting to see what you guys come up with for sure hopefully everyone likes it and doesn't hate it but it's still kind of a ways away so yeah forget i said anything yeah forget <laughs> forget forget that happened guys guys erase your memories right now let's see that was from, need... that was that was from future george that was future george talking yeah <laughs> it'll happen one day uh i think that's great there's always going to be this level of expectation with key cult quality i think so too mm. um so i actually wanted to ask one question before we get too deep into i guess the second hour or the i guess coming going into the second hour of our uh our podcast here but one question we always ask everyone is i guess I normally word this it's i say this every time and now i can't remember this today um what are your current thoughts some some good notes about the keyboard hobby and maybe what's some stuff that you would like to see change um so things that i really like about the hobby is how collaborative it is and how not like i don't often and and this can be misconstrued and i and i mean it in the positive way like i don't often feel like we're in competition with other people not that we're like oh we're so far ahead of people that we don't compete with anyone but like it kind of feels that like everyone has this really collaborative mentality and you can reach out to like other vendors and be like hey this is an idea that i have and i want to work with you with it and they'll like work with you with it yeah um and i think that there's a, there's a lot of like i think the mentality especially among among creators in the hobby is that like a rising tide lifts all boats and that we're all working towards rising the tide. And I really love that. Um, and I hope that doesn't change anytime soon. Yeah. Agreed. Um, things that I'm not super pumped about is I guess it's like probably the amount of This is hard to because it's like I also like to think about like how I can change things that I don't like. Yeah, and I think exactly. That, so like I think that the thing that I that, that sort of gets me the most is when people are like pretend to know what goes into things when they don't. Yeah. Um and and are, and are like, oh, this is overpriced or blah blah blah. And like overpriced is obviously what we deal with the most because like we're an expensive brand and like people often think that our stuff is overpriced. Um, but I think that people forget that they tend to like, this is like a phenomenon in economics. It's like people overvalue the work that they do, but undervalue the work that others do. And I think that like, yeah. and I think that that's why I tell people like to be sort of a maker in this hobby, you have to have like a really thick skin because if it gets to you that people say like your stuff isn't worth it or your stuff isn't that good, you're just not going to last very long. Um, and I think that just people would sort of couch their opinions of like whether something is quote unquote worth it in more like uncertain terms just like allow yourself to be maybe wrong about whether something is worth it or like oh maybe your cousin does do this thing but maybe that his process is different than our process and maybe our process is a little bit more expensive um so i think that that's sort of there's a lot of like couch experts of stuff yeah and and i totally agree with that because it's something that i brought up too and you kind of elaborated, I guess, more on the maker side of things, which I think is fantastic. Um, because even from the artist side of things, because obviously what you're doing is art and what everyone else is too, there's your labor to account for. 
right? Like what time you spent into R&D and all that other stuff too. I think a lot of people kind of forget that because you see, I've been seeing a lot of this happen lately too, where it's like they'll calculate the price of the aluminum and then the machining time maybe and the electricity you used. And like this should only cost X amount of dollars. But I think I think as anyone as like an artist, yeah. What sorry, what was that again? Artists shouldn't get paid, isn't that right? That's what I. That's there's been like this floating thing that I've I've been hearing in like the back end of some uh, some places saying that art, artists don't really deserve to get paid, which is or shouldn't get paid, not don't deserve rather. Oh, um, whoever does that is the worst. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll just say that like straight up. If you think that people who make art and let me couch this by saying like we're not artists, like we are like in the in the making of stuff thing but like if you think that like an artist shouldn't get paid for their work and talent then like well i think any, anyone who's designing something right like if you design something and you spend some time designers, doing something artists. yeah designers artists word uh, there's also that level of hey guys like if if you you know as someone who who i, I take a look at a lot of keyboards and i'm very grateful for that um, and there's some keyboards that come in that are more expensive than others, right? I'm not looking at the, the price of aluminum and stuff. It, what I'm looking really at, you know, from my end is, well, this $500 product versus this $500 product, or this $300 product versus this 300 product. Now, one $300 product could be overvalued, you know, because maybe the creator feels like they should be paid more for their, their design of their art, which I totally respect. And I feel like you should be able to set your own prices. Doesn't mean people are going to buy it or people are, you know, won't buy it. But I, I just feel like it's it's a weird thing to get at um, when you see something and it's like, well, this should be priced at the cost of the the aluminum or the, the, the cost of the material use, using it, right? And yeah. the energy yeah, put into it. the cost of entry to produce those things? A, like, yeah, yeah. And can... and that's kind of, I know I'm just, I'm, I'm saying it's a very broad thing because right. there's some people obviously who maybe overprice something and I get it. It's It might be a little bit weird sometimes, but there's also that too. People need to eat. People need to get paid for their work and hard hard efforts as well. So it's been a weird thing that I've been seeing that the artists and designers shouldn't get paid. And this should only be this cost because the factory sells it for this amount of money. I'm glad I'm not around the people who are saying those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's. This came up like a few weeks ago and like one of sort of like I went through all of the stages of like denial i guess and like i kind of i sort of landed at the end that like i feel like and and i say we as in like key cult like i feel like it's also on us a little bit to sort of explain what goes into our product yeah. and yeah. why we feel like it's worth what it's worth and um and that's something that we personally don't do very well and i and and this isn't to say that I'm saying like, oh, we can convince the people who think our stuff is too expensive that it's not. And let, let me just talk to you guys, please. Like, no, I do recognize the fact that like, it's not really my job to convince people who are extremely skeptical of our process that like it's worth it. That's not my job. But I do think that we can do a better job of sort of explaining what goes on in the making and making that more accessible. Yeah. Um, and I do think that like, sort of like closing yourself and being like, oh, these people just don't get it or these people are haters or these people are blank sort of takes away the opportunity that you can have to like just do a better job of of being taking people yep. on. Yep. And not just being transparent, it's just also like tell a story, yep. like tell the story about your product and do that like constantly and often. Um, and I think that pe more people are being like, oh, I get it because I've been told the story. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't get it because like, 
this is like a black box. Like you guys like disappear for a month and then like come back to like, oh, here's our keyboard. Bye, and bye, that's, bye. Yeah. yeah. And well, and know, that's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. You know who I was going to say, you know who does a good job of that is Salvin. He absolutely yeah, yeah. does a great job of that on Instagram yeah. stories, especially. Yeah. I think that Salvin does a really good job of like showing. And that's sort of why he like, I, I think that that's that's sort of why he's he's known and why sort of he deserved the notoriety that he has is because he often takes you along in the process and like and, and even not just as like a consumer but like if you are a collaborator with him he is so open and willing to tell you what he does and and like for example like when we were thinking about buying a machine like Salvin was one of the main people that we spoke to about buying the machine and like you you can see how someone less open and collaborative would be like no, I'm not going to show you how to open your own keyboard shop, dude. That's like, that's like how I make my money. And this guy was like, no, you guys should definitely do this. Like, this is, this is something that you guys can do. Just do it. Like we were on, we were about to get off the fence until we spoke with Salvin and he like, was like, you guys can definitely do this. Let's talk again in two weeks. And I'm going to show you how I program your, your thing on like, I'm going to screen share the process so that you guys can see that it's not that intimidating and that you guys can do it. Like that's amazing to me. Like I like who does that stuff. And that's, that's why I like, give him so much credit. And that's why he's such a big part of like key cult is because it's, I mean, he's just been a level of collaborative that like I've never seen before. Yeah. I love Salvin. He is, he is awesome. He has helped me out with a bunch of stuff too. And he's just, he's extremely open on and off camera. Um, always willing to help well and i think that goes back to what i said originally too where it's like you can obviously there's stuff you might want to keep a trade seat i get it but if you're willing to be open about some things it kind of does put pressure on you you're putting the own pre like me especially as someone who does content creation and stuff like that and i can imagine this applies to a lot of different things as well um correct me if i'm wrong but if you put pressure on yourself to be open about something you do and now everyone else is going, well, okay, that opens my eyes. I want to do the exact same thing. It puts pressure on you to do something even better. And I've always been a firm believer in that. So for example, when I'm streaming and showing people how to edit photos and everyone's editing photos with the you know, particular method I'm showing them, it makes me go, well, hmm, how can I now up the bar? How can I raise that bar to be like, well, now this is what I'm doing. You guys were doing the last thing I was doing. Now let me show you this so I can continually raise the bar. But I don't know. Salvin's a... You guys can clip this, by the way. Um, Salvin, if you're, if you're, I don't know if you're watching. Someone can clip it. I hope he's not watching. Nope. because you're, you're the king of schmucks. Like... I love you, buddy. <laughs> you love king, of king of schmucks. He'll get it. <laughs> it depends on what difficulty. Uh, yeah, it totally glitches. It, it depends on what difficulty of what you're doing and spirit takes in place. Yeah, I agree. Like, obviously, there's going to be something that you obviously don't want to share. There's always going to be something you don't want to share. It's trade secret. But if there's something you're open with, a lot of the times you can put that pressure on yourself. It's self-development at that point there. Um, yeah. I also feel like, I don't know, maybe this is really naive of me and like, but I also feel that like, for example, like people won't be able to make a key cult just because we know they know where the that anodizer yeah. is. Yeah. Like, and like people, and even if they had like a machine shop, like it's not like, oh, if they knew our like, you know, if they had our CAD files, they like we'd be screwed. Um, I think that like so much of what goes, and this goes for like 
so many makers. It's like, like you, you like so much of what like who Rama is is like sort of the design language and the work that he's put into like his keyboards, and so much of what like Omnitype is is like so much of what he's put into his like key sets and like his and the Bower and stuff like that, and like and and you can go on and on with like all of the other like keyboard vendors and like so much of like who Wilba is is like the level of quality in his and his PCBs and stuff like that. So like. And and I and I don't think that there's like a single thing. That, that I don't think there's like a secret sauce to that because I think that what the, the what makes the sauce good is obvious, and it's like attention to detail, caring about the final totally. product. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I I agree with that too. With uh, Mr. Bullet said, knowledge has never been an acceptable substitution for passion. Yeah, and you, and I think that kind of loops back to the conversation we we're having earlier about showing people what your product's worth is you're showing people your passion at the same time too if you can show people you're really passionate about something i think that strikes a different chord with people too Wilba said he's yeah. the biggest schmuck uh, that's not what salvin says salvin says he's the biggest schmuck i, I don't we're know Wilba. We're, we're all schmucks according to salvin but salvin said he's the king of schmucks <laughs> i have to take it up with salvin i guess I just want to let it be known that I'm completely lost in this schmuck conversation. He calls everyone so. a schmuck, so. Oh, okay. Well, we're all schmucks. It's a term of endearment. Yeah, it's, a, it's not a bad thing, by the way. That's why he's the king. Yeah. <laughs> um, I taught Salvin. A lot of schmucks around here. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> but we are we're hitting our hour and a half. Well, we already passed the hour and a half mark. Never mind. Uh, Do you guys have any last questions for Mr. George? I hope that this has been a little bit entertaining um, and I apologize if it hasn't all I will take all of the credit and all of the blame will go to Alex if this wasn't entertaining. <laughs> thanks I mean that's what usually happens anyways so. <laughs> I have a quick question George if if somehow within the next year things uh, you know uh, somehow managed to fix themselves and the world is or the United States at least is able to reopen up in the world around it. Uh, is Keycolt, would Keycolt make a plan to be visiting Keycon and things of that nature as well? Yeah. Um, we did a couple of conventions in 2019, um, which was, but we were, you know, much smaller back then. Um, so yeah, it would be really cool to do, to do the conversion, to do conventions this, um, Maybe not 2020, but definitely 2021. Uh, once you know everyone is vaccinated and we can get on a plane without being worried, um, that'd be really. It'd be really cool to go to KeyCon, and it'd be really cool to like also have like local meetups and like we have a brewery right down the street. Like it'd be cool to do like the local meetup at the brewery and then like come grill some hot dogs here or something like that. That'd be really cool. I don't even know. When, I don't even know when this stuff's ending. I can't even get into the states, so it's like. You guys have fun, I guess. Oh, uh, I might. Okay. I will couch everything that I say. Sorry. I'm like reading chat now. And like, I do recognize now that 2020 is over. However, um, I'm a little bit tired. I got an, like, I wake up at five in the morning to be here early in the shop. So like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give me some slack. So I, I meant. I'm not going to call you out on that. <laughs> I, I, my brain still thinks we're in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're in. 2022. Okay, you know yeah. what I meant, Reagan. He meant 2020 as well. 2020, comma, <laughs> 2020, comma, two, Reagan, comma. The comma is important. I didn't pause. I know. My bad. 
So I guess I I have a question for Alex yeah. and for everyone really. Like, what is what's do you guys have anything that you're just like, how has no one done this yet? Because you guys see way more keyboards than I do. And I'm as a, as a person who makes things, I'm really curious. Just like, what am I missing? And I feel like we we often like makers oftentimes are in like this echo chamber, and like, just nice to know what other people think. The big thing that I mean, I've talked about this a few times, not really on stream, but uh, one of the things that I would be really cool to see is like a a base. Uh, this is a, probably a long winded story. But I'll try to make it as short as possible, but like a base keyboard. Like a frame that has all this modularity that you don't have to constantly take apart you know the core of the pcb and it has modularity that if you want to upgrade it you, the frame's always available let's just say and then yeah, that person can cr create some sort of modularity to it for example if you don't like the weight one day yeah or you know you don't like the back piece you want to change up maybe the top frame or something about it that's modular i think that'd be really cool to see some modularity in keyboards um yeah. that's like a hot swap part I, I, I don't, I'm I'm thinking, but I don't know the actual solution or the actual product. But that'd be really kind of cool to see. Actually, uh, Rob Shred, I we, I have been down that rabbit hole uh, on using automotive paint on keyboards, uh, and that's something that I'm actively working on to like figure out. Uh, it's really cool. So basically there's a lot of like really, really great, especially not so much automotive paint. So like I have a lot, of, I have some experience with aviation paint. Um, uh, and, and I've been doing some experimenting with, uh, painting of the keyboards and stuff like that, which is kind of similar to, um, what space is doing with Cerakote, but, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more forgiving. And it's also something that it's, it's, it's a process that you can buff, which is, um, which can fix a lot of like small, issues with like dust and stuff settling um so in, in in that sense you also have issues with like tolerances and stuff because you can do like over spraying and then things don't fit together very well but yeah that's definitely you know, like um sorry do you, do you know what the, like the thicknesses of automotive paint by standard or like, i'm not 100 sure i don't think that there's a standard um I can't off the top of my head. I did read something because I was working. I was looking into a, a, a paint called All Grip, A W L Grip, um, and I did do some research. and And the tolerances are hypothetically within the tolerances of our keyboards, um, especially and especially like we, we we have some room in the mid piece that we can like let things in or bring things in to make it just be less snug. Um, so we could make it work, but uh, we had issues with it, like because it's a human process. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious to see that too, because like when you have metal pieces that are both painted touching, how that would work, because uh, like the thickness and like chipping and stuff like that, like I, I wanted to see, like, because you think about it as like a car, there's nowhere where, where paint is touching paint. It's all just the surface area. And, you know, you're obviously having to spray like an entire middle piece, which is going to have to sandwich into a top yeah. piece. I think that if anything that like that happens, it would have to be with the caveat that people would have to be okay with like a slight amount of like rubbing and stuff on the internal pieces. And like, as long as the outside yeah. remains pristine, yeah. um, but the, like anything that you're, if you're sliding paint together, you're going to get like scratching and chipping. It is what like it is. Yeah. That yeah. goes with, with anything. Um, I mean, even with like anodizing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anno, Cerakote, anything. 
um i think that shouldn't be like a factor of a a stock a stock consideration like oh now it is not a stock because because of the some internal blemish yeah right that's not something that we do right now like we internal blemishes don't count against the board i mean oh, okay if, if, if like you drop the board and there's a huge dent in the in the part yeah we're not going to sell that part but like if there's like a spec or something like that an internal part that doesn't count towards the b stock of the board mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well, another question we got here is george are you sick of lubing creams yet <laughs> no i can't lube it up like my my, my jar of creams is running low oh no that needs to be refilled uh, another person asked a uh, letter uh, after a asked, where do you see yourself in the community after in or sorry, not after five years in five years. Where do I see myself in the community? Um, That's a good question. I don't know. I think that like we are such a different company now than when we started that like I, I assume that will be a very different company when in five years um, like right now i really want to focus on machining in-house and also like doing things with automation um like i'm really interested in having like a robot load parts in the machine and i'm really interested in having a mechanical process that helps polish the parts and stuff like that so polish i mean like after it's done machining removing the machining marks uh which as if people saw the insta story i do that by hand right now um having a machine that does that um mechanically like by itself i think that that's the stuff that really gets us excited at the moment like we want to get like a robot we want to get like a, a finisher we want to get another machine things like that but like in in five years that's like that's that's all that's more than twice the amount of time that we've already been a company so i assume that like we'll be just a very different company which is interesting yeah you guys plan on or maybe do you want to ever explore different things in what you guys are working on now yeah i mean it'd be really cool to do um i think that there's i think that there's potential i think that we're probably not going to always just be a keyboard company i think that we were and i've always been sort of interested in like both other things that are on your desk and like i've also have like a I, I personally really enjoy and like woodworking and would be really cool to even like make the desk ourselves oh, uh called desk would be yeah i think that it'd be cool to do something like everything on your desk is made by us i also think that like some things that we don't do right now that are pretty obvious which is like like we don't do like keycaps and it would be nice to have like a set of keycaps that we like like and can like okay this is like we this is something that you can get from us that we personally really like, like switches, like that's not something that we offer. I don't think that we're ever going to be like, I think that the market of like having vendors that offer a lot of variety of things is already sort of cornered. And I think that like novel keys and Omni type do a really good job of like offering people something fresh and new. But I think that like where we see ourselves is more of like, this is a, this is curated to what we like. And if you like it as well, you can come to us and just get the thing that we have curated. Um, and so sort of that is sort of the obvious sort of things that we don't do at the moment that we can probably do. Long term, it'd be really cool to make like coffee stuff, but I have no expertise in that. I was, I was actually asked, do you guys see you guys making the equipment for coffee? But that'd be yeah, I mean, interesting. But I think that like the, the, the thing of I, when we first got the machine i was like maybe we can like 
make a, a hand grinder would be really cool because I have some ideas there of like things that we can do to like do like hand yeah some some hand grinder uh, like um but there's also like a lot of stuff and I can definitely see ourselves like falling on the rabbit hole of like okay we'll make the enclosure and we'll buy the burrs ourselves or, or we'll buy the burrs and make the enclosure and like put everything together and just make sure that our enclosure is like really well machined for this particular for these particular like conical burrs or something um but then like i can see ourselves quickly going into like let's make the burrs too um so it's definitely like there's a lot of really cool stuff that i'm like definitely interested in um but i'm also not like a designer so it's hard for me to be like yeah we're definitely going to do this but hey zach can you like design this for me um these are the ideas that i have so be cool. It'd be definitely cool to see if you guys what what you guys come up with in the next five years. So that was the I guess the uh, not so much a long answer, but that was the answer for uh, for your letter. Uh, last question we'll take, and then we're gonna call it a day here because we don't want to pass our two hour mark. Um, I, I can't find it now. I had it, but I, then I scrolled down a little bit and it got lost. Um, it was something about do you guys prefer peanut butter, jelly, or Nutella? Um. That's such a like or a combination of the the two. What do you guys think? What do you guys what do you guys prefer, chat? I think Nutella. Nutella is but the right like, answer for me anyway. I'm also I'm also like I'm also like on a diet, so I I, <laughs> I my heart for Nutella, but my brain is like you can't have Nutella. So <laughs> okay, imagine you weren't though. Like if you if you were presented one oh, as Nutella. Nutella. By the way, cheat code Nutella. Like grab some saltines and dip the saltine in the Nutella. It's like creamy from the Nutella, crunchy from the saltine, sweet from the Nutella, salty from the saltine. Well, salt and chocolate goes really well together. Yeah, it's it's really it's, Nutella and saltines are 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 peak culinary experience. Now, if you had to choose peanut butter, would it be crunchy or creamy? Creamy. I like and, how that look, that look was like, no, I wouldn't choose crunchy. No. You're an idiot for choosing crunchy. <laughs> All right, then I won't tell you what I would choose. I'll end it there. <laughs> um, so to conclude things, we learned a lot today, I think. Uh, hopefully, well, I did. I don't know about you guys. Hopefully you guys learned a lot too. Um, I'm pointing at chat like the, they can see it. But um, hopefully you guys learned a whole bunch today. I think we had some very interesting conversation um, that's what this is about, by the way, guys. It's about conversations, about learning new things. Um, but hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys tune in for some more. Thank you for everyone who, uh, subbed today and provided support. Blue, Max, Frozen, I'm Raptors, Charlie. Thank you for, to George for stopping by and entertaining us for two hours. Um, happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and thank you to Space and Chase. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to end it great. off here. Let's see. I mean, let's see who we can rate it. Maybe. I always forget to raid every single time after he passed. So maybe this time oh, here, I will okay. not forget. I'm going to stop the music, though. Maybe this time here, I will. Oh, oh. Always don't mute myself. Uh, let us see who is. Let's raid Katana. He's always fun yeah. to, to do these Katana's things with. Good guy. Yeah, he is a good guy. All right, guys. Uh, if you guys want to, you can check out Key Cult's website. You can just type in Key Cult. And then, uh, yeah, you can join their Discord, actually. That's where you're going to find some more of that coffee. Where would you say the coffee information would drop first? Would it be the Discord? Yeah, it would be the Discord. Okay. Um, all of so so I think the Discord. Uh, first of all, let Katana know that Jorge dice. I don't know why I I give myself an English accent. 
but uh, copy what I said and and put it on Katana's site when you raid. And if you want to have a first sneak peek at any of our stuff, Discord is the way to do it. Um, yeah, that's definitely the best way to keep in touch with us. That's my Discord, guys. But I'll post a link in my news section if you guys want to uh, join their their Discord. Okay, so I'll make I'll make sure to do that right after we're done stream. All right, everyone, have a good one. We're gonna raid Katana now. Uh, take care. Thank you guys so much for stopping by, and peace out.